Star Trek, our favorite frontier. These are the podcasts of Aaron and Polly, their ongoing mission to explore all things Trek, to seek out cool things and pick them apart, to boldly complain as no one's complained before. And this is Paul. And it's here, Paul. It's happening. It's right here. At last, we are on the other side. We now live in a world where Star Trek Picard Episode 1 Remembrance has aired. Or streamed, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) We do. And now we have to stay alive for at least nine more weeks. Well, and they've already already declared a season two. And I don't know if you saw the news last week, Paul, but Whoopi Goldberg will return reprising her role as Guinan. I did see that so, Patrick Stewart so, was on The View and invited her to come on to season two. Yeah, on The View. Yeah. Um, and so you, you, now you, you, you not only have to survive long enough for the next seven episodes of Star Trek Picard, but you got to live long enough to see, you know, episode uh, season two. It's crazy. I mean, well, to be fair, only if the next seven episodes of Picard are actually good. Well, I, you know, based on <laughs> spoilers, Paul, I really liked episode one. I I I I have got high hopes for the rest of this season. I I agree. Um, so Star Trek Picard uh, released as of the time of this recording uh, last week, but I guess it was Thursday the twenty something at, at like three a.m. Central Time, I believe. Yeah, and I got to say, kudos to CBS All Access for not dropping the crap at eight p.m. at night like they did with the, um, like they did with Discovery. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I rolled over in bed. And I saw the alarm, alarm clock. It was 4 a.m. on Thursday. And uh, I was like, I could, I can get up and watch Picard right now. I had a legit thought running through my head. And I'm like, I have got a huge freaking day at the office. I need to go back to sleep. <laughs> because <laughs> now, I, I totally would have done it. I totally would have been bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, and watched me some Picard. And I would have been drag-assing through the rest of the day. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what I did when Mandalorian came out. And um, I was tempted with Picard. But the problem is... I. I had made plans uh, for my buddy Brett to come over and watch Picard, you know, huge Star Trek guy. And um, I don't know if I talked about this on the last episode. No, I didn't. Um, And I was rather upset when I found out that it was going to be releasing at midnight or 3 a.m. Eastern time. Because you could watch it at 3 a.m. and not have to share your bottle of Chateau Picard. Exactly. (laughs) I'm like, God damn it. Now I have to wait till after work because you already made plans and he's not coming over till 7.30 p.m. Whereas I could have had it fully watched by 7.00. 7:30 a.m. Uh, but he, yes, but we did crack open up the bottle. <laughs> that guy <laughs> of uh, Chateau Picard, uh, the um, I don't know what whatever kind of wine it is. The Bouge, Bouge, 
Bordeaux, not Boudoir. <laughs> that, 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 that's a different night. It leads um, if you drink the bottle of Bordeaux, it leads to the Boudoir. To the Boudoir. Um, yeah. So for those of you who uh, are not familiar, I actually posted this on our Instagram, uh, IOM Geek, that StarTrekWines.com. You can actually pick up a two pack of the Chateau Picard Bordeaux. Uh, bottled at Chateau Picard in France, and a special reserve United Federation of Planets Old Vine Zinfandel. Um, so, very uh, yeah, the Chateau Picard, pretty tasty. I, I liked it. I uh, didn't watch until Friday uh, after work, and I drank uh, a, a, a bit of bourbon from uh, the James T. Kirk uh limited edition i believe uh uh select bourbon yeah i had that i had that set out just in case the uh the bordeaux wasn't good and uh because i'm <laughs> running to fall back on it yeah i'm running low on that james t kirk bourbon that is a delicious bourbon it, it is it, it is delicious and i am rationing it pretty hard yeah. uh, whereas you know anything else i'm a pretty generous pour mm-hmm. uh in in the glass but but the the james t kirk just because i'm not sure because each that they've got such a limited barrel selection and i know that this one is good you never know what the yeah. next one's going to be like uh so yeah i'm, I'm, also- I'm worried yeah, it's also like a seventy-five dollar bottle. It is because an of the shipping. bottle of bourbon. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is an expensive bottle of bourbon, and but boy, it's awfully good. I I am enjoying the hell out of that, and I enjoyed uh, drinking it while watching Star Trek Picard. And Paul, uh, I I I began to grin almost immediately when as, as I was watching this show, and you know the creators of Star Trek Picard walked a really narrow line. On playing to our nostalgia, but also making it new viewer friendly. Um, and I, I don't know anybody who is not a Star Trek viewer who has seen it. Uh, but some of the articles that I've read online suggest that it is new, new viewer friendly. Um, but I got to tell you, when it opened up with uh, Blue Skies, the song Blue Skies, uh, and the, their version had Bing mm-hmm. Crosby singing it. You know yes. that is the that is the song that Data sang at uh, 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 Riker and Deanna Troy's wedding. And while Star Trek Nemesis, again, is a steaming turd of a film, I did really enjoy the uh, the wedding scene in that movie, particularly with Brent Spiner singing uh, Blue Skies, because, you know, he uh, he has had a, a, a little bit of a recording career. And, you know, I have enjoyed his uh, his his, uh, you know, jazz standards that he's sung. And I enjoyed I enjoyed hearing that. And then for it to to zoom in to the Enterprise D into 10 forward with uh, Commander Data and Captain Picard playing poker was awesome. Yes, was just an was just an awesome scene. And I don't know. I feel like maybe I saw parts of this scene. Uh, in a preview, yes, but but 
I found myself without without knowing. I feel like I'd seen the part where uh, you know they're, they're playing cards and and Data says to uh, Picard, you know, why are you delaying? And I wound up mouthing. And again, I don't know if I've seen the. I, I assume I've seen this because yes, I got that was it. in one of the trailers. Was it where he says, "I don't want the game to end"? Yes. Uh, but it was such a a perfect line, and you know, a you understood that you were in the dream. Uh, but it was so perfect. I mean, that's and that's the thing that that just really hit me about the opening sequence in this episode was that it was perfect. And I wonder really hard how much the writers, you know, sort of wrangled, how do we open this up? Because, you know, the last time we saw Captain Picard playing poker was when he sits down at the table for the very first time in All Good Things. And, you know, as they're, as they're dealing the cards, he says, you know, I could have been doing this all along. Why did I wait so long? You know, and because he'd never played poker with them in the entire seven seasons of Next Generation. And so it was just this beautiful sort of leap you know, over that chasm of time. I just, I thought it was just a, just a wonderful opening. It really worked for me. Yeah, it was perfect. It was a perfect way to bring you back uh, for, for fans. Cause even if you, first of all, you know, you, you, you referenced something about this being new viewer friendly. I could say it, it is, um, ish in that, <laughs> uh, but ultimately you will get so much more out of it. Uh, oh, yeah. If you had a, a, even a passing understanding of the crew, and I don't know how many people who aren't familiar with Picard are going to be like, oh, I'm going to randomly pick up this Star Trek show about this guy from a TV show that had seven seasons and four movies. Well, and randomly subscribe to CBS All Access yeah. when there's when other than Star Trek, there's not another damn thing in there worth watching. Yeah, so I don't know. You know, I think we're preaching to the choir on the uh, the audience here. But I, uh, but I but I did read a couple of reviews where where people were like this. In fact, it was I think it was in the El Paso newspaper that was saying that you know I've never watched an episode of Star Trek in my life and I loved this. Okay, I, and, that's good. And he was, the, I was amused that he was writing. I don't know what a Borg is. I'm curious. You know <laughs> <laughs> what what? And I feel bad because this same author, the, the same uh, reviewer, said I don't know what caused. Commander Data to give his life for Picard, but now I want to see that. And I'm like, oh, oh no, you don't. I'm, I'm so sorry. You don't <laughs> want to see Star Trek Nemesis. <laughs> no one wants to see Star Trek no. Nemesis. <laughs> Star Trek Nemesis is only worth it if you have seen the others first. Well, and Star Trek Nemesis really needs to exist in the form of a supercut that gives you just the very few scenes that are worth a damn. Yeah, you know, really cut out all the the. Is it Shinzon? Is that who it is? Shinzon, yes. Yeah, in that in that movie, you just cut all that stuff out. You know, cut out the uh, the you know Captain Picard clone, and just cut to the dance scene and uh, you know Data dying. Yeah. That's really about yeah. it. That's all you need from that film. <laughs> <laughs> I um, but yeah. So obviously the reference to obviously all the references to Data, uh, and, and just in case we haven't already made this clear, very much spoiler warnings on. Um, but uh, a lot of references to Next Generation and Star Trek Past. Uh, uh, obviously data but also you had um the romulans and the reference to romulus 
um, yep. and the supernova that destroyed Rom- yeah, Romulus. And, you know, as we you know get moved deeper into the episode, we definitely see that this ties in to the JJ verse, right? Yeah. That, you know, this we when we are talking about the destruction of Romulus uh, from the supernova, we are talking about those events that drove, uh, you know, gosh, I Nero, Nero uh, to go hunt Spock down. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know, I, I, it, it is exactly what uh, what we were hoping it was going to be. Um, you know, now, at the end of that, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, you, you, speaking of Romulus, uh, the two Romulans that are uh, living. With mm-hmm. Picard uh, in in this in the show, I will say the comic is the only reason that you would know who they are. Otherwise, yeah. they're just like these friendly younger people who live with Picard. And maybe at some point it'll be clarified. But I will say I actually got a bit, a, quite a bit more out of it because I read at least the two issues of the comic that have already been released. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, Laris, who is the woman, and Jaban, who is the mm-hmm. man. Uh, I, I and I I really liked them on the screen. Yeah, in fact, same here. I, I felt I felt immediately warm to them, and and I don't I'm not sure if that's that is what we know from the comics already that we have read, or if it has to do with the fact that you know they are taking they are caretakers of Captain Picard. You know that they are taking care of this character that we have loved for so long, and they just seem genuinely warm towards him. You know, uh, I, I really dug them. But, you know, as we're as we're coming out of that opening sequence, you know, the dream ends with Mars catching on fire. Right. You know, mm-hmm. we see that we see the damage on Mars, which, you know, we know from having seen Children of Mars just a week or so ago that that's that incident where the synths, you know, as we saw in that news feed in Children of Mars had attacked Mars for whatever reason. And, you know, it, it wakes Picard up. But I will we find – go ahead. I'm sorry. Say, uh, the, the reference to Children of Mars, if we find out that that actually was not long after, really, Nemesis, no. right? Yeah, it, because yeah. it, I think they refer to it being – correct me if I'm wrong uh, – like 20 years ago or something. Right. Yeah, no, it was right after Nemesis because, you know, he mm-hmm. they were – the Utopian Planitia shipyards were tasked towards building the rescue fleet, right? You know, yeah, to to yeah. rescue 900 million, you know, Romulan citizens. Um, and the sense destroyed that. And so, you know, that's what caused Starfleet to back out – of uh, of rescuing the Romulans and they turned inward and this is something that I was really happy about you know I had voiced in our uh, previous episode what I was concerned about that you know Starfleet would be corrupt right that you know we knew that it was it was going to be not your daddy's Starfleet and and I was worried that it was going to be a corrupt Starfleet and it doesn't appear to be it appears uh-huh. to be a, well it feels like it's a Starfleet that became you know, non-interventionist and became turned insular and got scared, you know, they got scared of the big bad out in the universe. And, and so they, they weren't reaching out to help people, you know, it's kind of like, you know, America before world war two, you know, before we got it punched in the nose by the Japanese, uh, you know, we were non-interventionist. Yeah. You know, that problem in Europe is, is their problem. It's not our problem. Um, and that, that's what it, that's what it, it feels like to me in, in this story is that we're, we're you know the federation has become we'll just take care of our own you take care of yours yeah I mean I would agree uh, and that's I, not the Starfleet I, I, I still, mission you know the Starfleet mission is brave yeah. new worlds right you know uh, and 
that's what you know we find that that's what Picard objected to and that's why Picard resigned his his commission because the Federation and Starfleet said you know we're not going to go out there and help those Romulans and you know you know Picard you know says the words you know you were out there going to save Romulan lives the lives of our enemies and he's like no lives we were going to save lives yeah, I, just, well I, that, I thought that was a great scene you know I, I you know we got to find out you know all of uh, all of the baggage and why you know Picard has been uh, quiet for the last 20 years and, and I, I just I thought that was beautifully done and you know I I understand why he stepped back and while I don't agree with you know Starfleet and the Federation's uh, decision at that point i understand it and it's not necessarily corrupt it's just misguided yeah so i uh i i really enjoyed that scene and, and i enjoyed the setup now we meet dodge who is you know appears to have uh completed her undergraduate and graduate's degree and she's off for a uh, fellowship at the uh, daystrom institute where she's going to study you know i believe artificial intelligence and something else and she's chilling with her boyfriend. You know, he seems like a nice guy, even though he's got weird eyes. Yeah, he's got weird eyes. He's got that lizard eye thing. Yeah, but uh, you know, they're they're chillaxing and you know, knocking back some some of that some of that good red wine, maybe some Chateau Picard. You don't know. And uh, you know, then in beam the assassins who kill kill him for no good reason. I mean, they killed him and. There was legit no good reason because we see that these guys are more than capable of just knocking somebody stupid. But they just killed him, just you know, just as an as I mean, just just carelessly killed him. Yeah. Then they, you know, as as they're wrestling or they're they're talking and you know in some foreign language, and then one of them says, "Speak English." And the first time I watch it, I've watched the episode two and a half times. The first time I watched it, I thought he was talking to to Dodge. I didn't realize that he was talking to the other guys until the second time. Cause I was like, well, that's rude telling her what language to speak, but you know, <laughs> he's talking to the other guy. And, and, you know, because I guess they're trying to hide the fact that they're aliens. And, uh, you know, they say, they say, you know, she hasn't, they, they, they put these goggles on her and they're trying to read something out of her brain. And they're like, Oh, she hasn't activated yet. We don't know what that means until all of a sudden they put a hood over her head and she just goes super still and she activates and then proceeds to beat living shit out of all of them and kill them to death. <laughs> so, kill them to death. She kills them dead. Yeah, she kills them to death. And uh, <laughs> they are dead, dead, dead guys. And she doesn't take the time to pull a hood off of them. Because remember, these guys are all wearing black hoods because they're assassins. And you know we have ninjas in the 24th century. Uh, but she goes over, finds out that her boyfriend is D.E.D. dead. Dead is what he is. And uh, she gets this image in her head when she closes her eyes of our good good friend, Admiral Jean-Luc Picard. And uh, that sets off her quest. And it smashed her credits, Paul. All of this, all of this that we've talked about. Yeah. Opening credit sequence. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's take a break here, Paul. Let's take a break and talk about it. What do you think of the brand new Star Trek Picard theme? Honestly... I thought it was okay. Um, I, I didn't love it. I thought it was very nice. It's very serene. Uh, it, it is very much indicative of Picard at the beginning, as you know, as we see him on, you know, at, at his chateau, at his winery, or whatever, or vineyard, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there's no real for me it didn't feel like there was really gravitas or adventure it didn't evoke an emotion like the, the Star Trek Discovery theme is actually I I think very well done uh-huh. um, I, I did not get the same feeling from this one but I mean again it's a different show it's not it doesn't have any type of driving uh, force to or momentum to the theme theme by jeff russo is uh uses elements of uh or or uses notes that are evocative of inner light uh the of the uh the piece of music that picard played in that episode inner light you know his resican flute um and what I i found it to be a very calm sort of theme it is reminiscent to me of the of the theme for Deep Space Nine. Uh, not certainly in the in the way it's crafted, but in just the kind of its tone mm-hmm. of of you know it's it, it it's not we're boldly adventuring. It is we're maturely contemplating. Yeah, that is very much <laughs> what the, the the vibe that the theme gives off. Yeah, um, yeah as I'd well as the, uh, the the honestly the opening sequence. Um, itself yeah. the credit sequence is very you know very very much in tune with the theme um shows different imagery uh either throughout the show or from Picard's history uh, the, the 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 opening credits are fine you know i, I i've seen yeah. them and i don't think cbs all access gives you the option to skip it they do or at least they do, oh, they do. okay well then i'll be skipping yeah. it from now on yeah. i think on you're right iPad, they do. Yeah. yeah yeah but, but now that uh, i've seen it once i'm good but you know, I, I I like the theme. I don't love the theme, uh, and I can say that's true of the Deep Space Nine theme as well. I like the theme. I don't love the theme. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I'm I'm glad that Jeff Russo is working. He is the one of the workingest uh, music guys in show business. He does a whole lot of music, including Star Trek Discovery, but tons of other shows as well. Um, so we're back in the show, and Dodge has found her way to Chateau Picard. Where she, you know, stumbles on a uh, a uh, admiral retired admiral Picard hanging out in his vineyard with his dog Number One, and by the way, I kind of love Number One, uh, who the the dog's uh, actor name is De Niro, I believe. Yeah, De Niro, and uh, is a rescue dog, and according to <laughs> the. Uh, the uh, behind the scenes footage I've seen is apparently a terrible actor. Yeah, uh, that they were they were going they had planned to use him a lot more than they did, but uh, you know he 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 was challenging to work with on the set. Yeah. Apparently, yeah, they talked a little bit about that in the the ready room. Oh, did you watch it? I did watch it. I, now let me ask you this because I had a devil of a time finding it on CBS All Access. Mm-hmm. I, did you watch on CBS All Access, or did you watch it like I did on Instagram? Uh, the Ready Room? No, I watched it on CBS All Access. I could not find it. I looked all over. I searched under Will Wheaton. I searched under Ready Room. I searched on The Ready Room. I searched under Star Trek. Huh. I could not find it. That's weird. So, uh, you know, I watched it on the Xbox app, um, and it, it has, like, featured at the top. Uh, and, you know, one of the featured was Ready Room. 
it was not showing up and featured because I looked for it there as well. It's a huge pain in my ass trying to find it. And so, fortunately, they uh, CBS All Access had posted it to their uh, IGTV feed on Instagram. And I was like, I'll just watch it there, but I'm a little pissed off I couldn't find it. <laughs> Even by a title search, I couldn't find it in the app. Yeah. Huh. That's weird. Yeah. And I was, I'm, that was both an iPad app search and searching it through TiVo. Hmm. Couldn't find it. Couldn't find it. Super annoyed by that. Yeah. Yeah. But I will say uh, <laughs> it is... Days and nights better than the uh, Matt Myra Star Trek Discovery after show. It, it, see, it was, I did not I see. I didn't watch the Star Trek Discovery after show, but I will say the Ready Room. It was okay. You know, uh, we, I we thought it was pretty good. I thought it was okay. Like I liked the behind the scenes footage. I thought the interviews were fine. If there's anything I didn't care for it, honestly, it's I talked about this in the last episode. I'm not a big Will Wheaton guy. So when it was just Will Wheaton talking in front of a green screen, I was like, mm, not digging this. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I happen to like Will Wheaton and I enjoyed him on the show. Ah. So so you go to hell, Paul. <laughs> Will Wheaton. <laughs> I know you're just dying to say shut up, Wes. <laughs> I am. I am. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Dodge. Dodge finds her way to Captain Picard and, you know, reveals, hey, I know you, not because that you're, you know, a big internet celebrity and all, but, uh, or that you're friends with Ian McKellen, but because I know you in the core of my being, I know you. And he's like, uh, maybe I know you. And, uh, long story short, uh, we fight. Captain Picard has another dream, and it's that that clip that you've seen where he walks up seeing Data painting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he, he he's, you know, uh, Data's midway painting, and he says, "Hey, Captain, would you like to finish this for me?" And Captain Picard says, "I don't know how." And uh, Data says very ominously, "That's not true, Captain." And uh, Picard wakes up, turns around, and he sees the painting that was in his dream finished, hanging on his mantle, and with a, a the woman's face looking awfully a lot like Dodge. Now, I gotta say, Paul, when she walked up to Picard. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I did not know about the daughter connection yet. Yeah. Right? But I was already thinking, God, you know, she kind of looks like Lol from uh, <laughs> that episode where Data makes a daughter. Yeah. You know? And I knew it wasn't because she, the age didn't right. But I'm like, she has those same kind of features. And then when you see it in the painting, I'm like, holy shit, that's Lol. <laughs> and then, you know, he goes to his archive. And by the way, I don't understand the quantum archive at Starfleet. Because apparently Starfleet, I don't know if this is just because Admiral Picard's such a big damn deal or if they do this for all uh, Star Trek admirals or commanding officers, but he's got a great big man cave of all this shit <laughs> hiding Which out. Which is kind of funny. Like you, you have a, you have, you have a, a vineyard, you have a, a whole yeah, you have a land of acreage. Yeah. <laughs> and it's important that, you know, that it's not a, it's not a library. It's not a place that anybody else can go because he, he keeps double checking with, with the computer system. No one's been in here, right? No one can come in here with me. I'm the only guy who can come in here and see my shit, right? And like, yeah, yeah, you're it. You're the guy. And so he, you know, there is a second painting of of this woman who showed up at his chateau who over the night has run away. And he's like, God damn it. You know, God damn it. How did Data know about this this woman? You know, because it's she appears in the painting as she does now. Yes. And, and so he walks out of out of the museum, and who's there but Dodge? 
And just a little while earlier, we saw Dodge hanging out in some darkened city, maybe on the other side of the world. Uh, you know, and she, she calls her mom and she's like, mom, you know, people are out trying to kill me, yada, yada, yada. And, and mom's like, Hey, you got to go back and, and chill with Picard. Picard can keep you safe. And she's like, Hey, I never told you that I was at Picard's. Oh, of course you did, baby. Of course you did. So, you know, that doesn't smell funny at all. Um, but you got to go back and, 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 you know, see Picard, close your eyes, chill. You'll know I'm right. And that's exactly what she does. And then she goes all data like commander data and how fast she accesses computer systems to figure out where the fuck Picard is. Yep. And that's how she tracks down Picard. She, 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 she androids that problem yep. and, uh, you know, g- goes out and, you know, finds Picard there in San Francisco. And actually we're, I'm going to, I want to pause real quick because we, we glanced over it, but in the archive room, um, it is just a room full of Easter eggs, uh, oh, you know, yeah. there are ship yeah, models like the Stargazer, the Enterprise D and E. There was the Captain's yeah. Yacht was one of the models in there. You know, the Picard Day He's, banner. Yeah, Captain Picard Day. Yep. Captain Picard Day. Well, and, you know, you had his bound copy of the illustrated, uh, you know, complete works of William Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. You had the uh, his... Klingon sword, the Batleth, and the, the the Klingon knife from when he was the Jadich for uh, Worf during uh, uh, Sin, the Sins of the Father episode, I believe it was, mm-hmm. the Next Generation. Yep. Uh, yeah, he was the Klingon Jadich. You have to say it like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, one of the things, I, let me let me harken back to something. Because, you know, one of our concerns in Discovery was sort of the retro refit of what's gone before, you know, and the way they reworked like the original series uniforms, that kind of thing. And so I was really curious, would they adjust the next generation uniforms? Would that stuff change? And boy, it sure didn't. I mean, they they, they threw images up like there's an image mm-hmm. of that episode, Sins of the Father. Again, I think that's the episode where... Uh, Picard and Worf are on Kronos. And I mean, it's an exact cut scene from, you know, Next Generation. I mean, I love that all of that's in continuity and that we're not tinkering with the way that stuff looked. That the way it looked in from 1986 to 1990, whatever, uh, is the way it is the way it plays. Well, and we're about to, in the next scene, actually talk about uh, some more references uh, to Trek Past, including Next Generation. Right. So, you know, Dodge shows up and uh, immediately, you know, Picard is Picard's a different man. He's excited. Right. He uh, you know, he, he there is this big, broad smile on his face because he feels like he has made a connection to his dear friend, Commander Data. And uh, he is talking to Dodge and saying, you know, I, I think you need to. Examine the possibility that you're not exactly human, but maybe something else, something that was lovingly and intentionally created. Uh, you know, I think I think you might be a little android. And, you know, she's rejecting that because as, as any sane person would who, you know, has lived a, a human life. And he's like, no, I, I think that, you know, that you've got some great memories because, you know, she shares a memory about her dad and uh, the way he created the flower and then named the flower after her. And, you know, he's like, that is a beautiful memory. Nobody can take that away from you. But I really think you might be a robot. And uh, then all of a sudden assassins appear. 
And uh, this time, you know, they just keep sending people until they they deal with it. And uh, I was kind of wondering how they were going to handle action in this series with, uh, you know, an actor who is who is aging and is of advanced years. And I was pleased to see that he got winded running up the stairs. I was like, okay, you know, because Picard is in his 90s, right? And uh, it, it was nice to see that they're going to play it for reals and not have him, you know, you know, swinging from the rafters, you know, all swashbucklery and nah. not. And he, he is very much, you know, the one in distress. The damsel is saving him mm-hmm. uh, fr- from all of the badness. And, you know, there is disruptor fire all over the place. And she is in full on Android mode kicking ass all over the rooftops and it was really a pleasure to see until she uh knocks one down his hood comes off and he spits green goo all over her uh which then you know you're like oh is it acid what is it you know is is uh you know is he some sort of uh you know uh, alien creature that that spits acid well no because apparently it was a, you know uh antimatter or something because she just exploded I, she just blew, blew up. I got the impression that she didn't <laughs> blow up. That the that he spit some type of acid, um, but it it was on the gun. Oh, do you think it was the gun? That I think blew it was up? the gun that blew up. Oh, because it seemed like it was her. But maybe you're right. Maybe I never because I, I know that the gun damaged and she threw it down, and maybe that caused it to overload. Yeah, that might be the answer. I that had not occurred. Yeah, to me it, to me it seemed like the gun. It was eat, being eaten away by whatever he spit out, and it blew up yeah. before she could oh, get away a, from it. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, see, you, Paul, you're like a scientist. Bam. Yeah, you can be my science officer. <laughs> I am good with that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about you captaining a ship, but you know. Oh yeah, I'm totally captaining a ship. <laughs> we are so dead. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, series over. Dodge is dead. And, uh, you know, Picard wakes up having suffered maybe a mild concussion, you know, but we don't report that as, as injurious or anything because, you know, the president of the Federation has seen many worse things than uh, traumatic brain injury. So that's not really a thing to worry about. And roll credits. <laughs> <laughs> so he wakes up on the couch back at Chateau Picard and, uh, uh, you know, Loris and Jabon are nursing him back to health and, and, this is where sort of uh, it, it occurred to me what this episode was or what Picard is at this point in his life. He's a man waiting for a mission. Mm-hmm. That's who he that's who he is in this moment. And you see it where, he, you know, the, the, it re, the, the realization of what's happened, that he had this link to data. And, you know, when he he has told her, you are safe in my company, I, I, nothing's going to happen to you. And then she dies right there in front of him. And he, he has lost this opportunity. But he seizes on that. And, you know, you, you would think he would just go back into his hole where he's been for the last 20 years. But no, he was been waiting for the mission. And the mission is there right up in front of him. And he, God damn it, he's going to find out what's going on. Now, we've not talked about it on the episode. But the synths you know, showed up on Mars, blew the shit out of Mars, destroyed the Utopia Planitia shipyards. <coughs> 20 years later, we find out the atmosphere on Mars is still ablaze, you know, still on fire. Since have been illegalized. They don't make androids anymore. They can you know, do some theoretical, you know, studies and discussions, but you can't build one. Certainly can't build anything sentient. 
which begs to reason why the hell anyone would go into the field of AI anymore, uh, which is what Dodge was going to do at the Daystrom Institute. And speaking of the Daystrom mm-hmm. Institute, that's where Picard w- wanders off to. He goes to the Daystrom, in- Daystrom Institute to uh, see uh, – to visit with Dr. Agnes – Dr. Agnes – uh, man, I can't read my own ha- handwriting. We're just going to Dr. Agnes. Dr. Agnes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but she's played by Allison Pill. I know her from the newsroom when it was on HBO. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure where she's from otherwise, but uh, she's got a friendly face. And, you know, she, you know, Picard goes in and asks her straight up, hey, um, can you make an android that would, for all, inten- all intents and purposes, be human? And she's like, no, you can't do that. He says, well, what about making a sentient android that uh, would look human? No, you can't do that. You absolutely can't do that. The answer is no. And he's like, well, what if I was to tell you that I had tea with this person yesterday and this person exists? And they, they had this whole conversation. And one of the biggest Easter eggs for me was just the mention of Bruce Maddox. Yep. Uh, you know, she talks about, you know, well, Bruce Maddox was working on something like that, but after Mars, you know, he disappeared, went into seclusion, you know, yada, yada. And, uh, I was just like, well, Bruce Maddox was, you know, he was the, uh, the, uh, Federation scientist in Measure of a Man, the episode where they were trying to say that uh, uh, data was property, that it, that he was not a sentient, autonomous human being, um, which would give him the right to take data apart and make more datas. Um, that didn't happen, you know, because Picard defended data in that episode and was able to prove that, you know, data was unique. He was sentient. He was autonomous uh, and had, uh, you know, was able to define himself. But, you know, Bruce Maddox didn't hate data. He just thought data was a miracle and wanted to be able to recreate that miracle because, you know, uh, da- the, the person who made data, you know, Dr. Nunian Sung, didn't leave any notes for anybody. He didn't want people to come and rep, uh, you know repeat his work. He just wanted to make things and you know show up that he was smarter than everybody else. But he didn't leave leave a a, a uh, you know a design schematic to go and build more datas. So you know we see where Picard sees B four. You know uh, yeah. Doctor Agnes pulls B four out of a drawer. Oh, this is B four. He was you know far inferior to data. You know data tried to load his positronic web in or positronic matrix into B four. It didn't hold. Yada yada. But you know if you had a good positronic ma- matrix, you could clone the essence of data from one positronic nodule or cell. Mm-hmm. But, of course, that doesn't exist. You can't do it. You know, no no way. Here's the question I have, Paul. All this conversation about androids, all this conversation about, you know, data's dead, we can't replicate him. You'd think you could do it from B4, but he was an inferior model. He can't do it. You know, they took lore apart at the end of Descent Part 2. He's sitting in a drawer somewhere. I maybe. That'll be a reference later on in the series. Maybe they're setting up. I, I, I just, I'm like, where the fuck is lore? Nobody talks about, they didn't talk about lore in Star Trek Nemesis. No. You know, that, that scene in Star Trek Nemesis, and this has always just driven me batshit, <laughs> is <laughs> they, they get this positronic signal and they're like, hey, we're getting a positronic signal on this planet, you know, over yonder. That reads just like data. It could be another android. And nobody anywhere on the, on the bridge says, or it could be fucking lore. 
You know, maybe Laura got away again. Nobody says that. No one even addresses it. It's just taken one line. Could it, could it be Laura? No, no. I just checked. Laura's still, uh, you know, sitting in parts back in the shop, at, you know, uh, in San Francisco. Nobody, nobody talks about Laura. I am so upset that no one talks about Laura. It bothers me. Well, we have seven more episodes. Maybe they'll mention him. Uh, it just feels like someone would say, hey, you know, if we're looking for a positronic nodule, maybe we should use Laura. Now, I don't think you could do that. Because lore's positive, you'd, you'd be cloning the essence of lore, yeah. and that would be bad. Which gets me to my next point, that I think that's where the fucking synths came from. I think Bruce Maddox went and made some synths, you know, some some, th- some th- synthetic people that he cloned from a positronic nodule from lore, which made them the bad synths, which is why uh-huh. they came and blew the fuck out of Mars. Look at that's you. That's my theory. That's your theory. It's my theory. It's my positronic theory. <laughs> So, you know, they, they, but the, something interesting happens at the Daystrom Institute and the Daystrom Institute itself is a name drop, right? From right. from the original yeah. Star Trek. Um, yeah. Original series. And then from references in Next Generation, the Daystrom Institute, Daystrom and the Daystrom Institute <laughs> have been around for a very long time. Um, it's been a long but, day. <laughs> we're almost done, Aaron. We're on the last scene um, <laughs> b- because uh, Dodge had a necklace and right and that's where where dr agnes as well you know it 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 you know tells you i forget what it, what it was a symbol of it was a symbol of uh do you remember what that was uh, it was just the, the the process by which they they it, yeah. like it basically long story short it created clones right like like well, it, 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 there was always two the rule of two yeah but yeah the rule of two they're twins they're sith lords yeah right but yeah, you know, there's always two, and he's like two. That's why there's two paintings, mm-hmm. Dodge and a sister. So there's got to be another one. Picard says, you know, he smiles, leans back. I still have a chance to connect, right? That's his, that's it. I I haven't fucked this completely <laughs> yet. Cut to the Romulan reclamation site, you know, out out yonder, and uh, you know it's it's you know big construction going on. Uh, you know, it's very industrial sort of look. And I don't know about you, Paul, but I mean, I felt from the jump that we were in the middle of a board cube. It had all the lighting of a board mm-hmm. cube. It seemed, it seemed very borgy. And sure enough, we meet Soji, Daja's sister, uh, also played by Isa, uh, Briones, uh, Isa, Isa, I'm not sure how to pronounce her name, uh, but also played by her. And she's got, it looks exactly the same, has the same necklace. And she meets a guy kicking off a mega Ethan Peck vibe. I mean, uh, yeah. he walked out I'm like, is that Ethan Peck? And it's, <laughs> it's not. It's it's not. It's uh, what's his name? Harry Treadwell. Okay, uh, sure. He's, Treadway. Yeah, Harry Treadwell. He is the he Treadway. Thank you. Yeah. Treadwell is the 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 Jason Bourne TV show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Harry Treadway. He was the guy who played Victor Frankenstein in. Uh, uh, Penny Dreadful. Oh, same, same. Holy guy. crap! Because I'm like, I know that guy. Huh. He's not Ethan Peck, but I know that guy. But I've got to tell you, throwing off big time Ethan Peck vibes because he's all moody looking Romulan guy with a beard, <laughs> right? And you know, you know, I mean, <laughs> sure, there's there's certainly some some advertising out there on CBS All Access that gives you the impression that this is the bad guy, but you didn't need all that advertising because he just is slimy. Walking out of the, 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 out of the green darkness. I mean, just like, oh yeah, you are fucking bad news. You are bad news. And, uh, he is already putting the, 
the Romulan romance charms on on poor Soji. He's up to no damn good. And then we zoom out because mm-hmm. they're going to spend some quality time together. We zoom out and we see that it is a great big Borg cube that all these Romulans are uh, taken apart. And that can't be good news because, you know, the Romulans got to be pissed off that the Federation decided we're not going to help you out, you know, after they said they would. And uh, so I, I, I can only imagine that they're going to use that Borg cube for good, Paul. Yeah. I mean, clearly. Because, yeah. Because, I mean, that's who Romulans are. They're the good guys. They're going to help you out. They're going to help a brother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, this is all bad news. And I got to tell you, I saw I saw one uh, reviewer this week say, uh, you know, I don't need Star Trek saves the universe. I, you know, Captain Picard saves the universe. I, I don't need that. I just want to hang. I just want to chill with Captain Picard. But I got to tell you, I loved all of this episode. I, I I legit, other than my lore thing, I got no complaints. You know, I got no, I just need somebody, somebody put eyes on fucking lore. I just need to make sure we got a, we got a head for B4. We got a head for lore. That's what I need to know. I thought it was a very strong first episode of the series, set up a lot of interesting mysteries um, yeah. that I hope, you know, with the plan that it's already been coming back for season two, I hope that we get resolution to these mysteries in season one with ongoing things to lead into season two. Um, I would much rather see that than them have a plan that we won't wait, that we won't get for five years like Babylon five. Um, right. I enjoyed it. I thought it was well acted. I thought it was uh, beautifully filmed. You know, it, it's funny that because we, you know we are we are one hundred percent back in the original Prime Universe, but God yeah. damn it, we're still going to film everything like it's a J.J. Abrams movie. Um, well, and, uh, Hanley Culpepper, who directed this episode and really is has defined the look, mm-hmm. I guess, for Star Trek Picard. I uh, I thought she did an amazing Agreed. job. I thought the direction was right on. I loved the images. It doesn't look like Star Trek Discovery, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. I like Star Trek Discovery, but it needs to have its own look. Yeah. And this needs to have its own look as well. And I think that was part of the problem with all of our different Star Trek episodes back in the 90s was, you know, you had Next Generation and Voyager and Deep Space Nine all looked an awful lot like each other. You didn't, even though you had different storytelling uh um, takes you didn't have a a director's eye no really really crafting a unique setting for each one of yeah them. they all were they all were filmed I mean, with the house style basically exactly yeah exactly it was the house style thank you that's a nice way to put it again you know you, you as my science officer this is really working <laughs> well, i may have to have you do double duty in a red shirt though paul oh, just so. oh uh, I am not wearing a red shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm excited about this show. I'm excited for episode two. Uh, I really, I, I think they knocked it out of the park with uh, Star Trek Picard episode one, Remembrance. I, I'm just, just happier than a puppy with two <laughs> <laughs> And we will be back to discuss to next week um so in the meantime what you can do is you can leave us feedback on our social media accounts iom geek on twitter facebook or instagram or you can give us a call on the iom geek hotline 972-763-5903 that number once again 972-763-5903 and if we use your voicemail on the show you will win a coveted, valuable ideology of madness surprise. Paul, I am excited. I, I'm going to go run to bed so that I can wake up Thursday morning and watch me some Star Trek Picard episode. It's Monday, though. 
I, I, I'm sleeping through. Paul. God, I I'm wish. Sleeping through. I'm just wish. To, just... <laughs> we'll see you next Bye. time. Star Trek with Aaron and Polly is a production of IOMGeek.com. Have a question or comment? Hailing frequencies are open at 972-763-5903. Tribble wrangling provided by Triskelion Trays. No troublesome tribbles. Mr. Aponte's wardrobe provided courtesy of Garrick's Clothiers, conveniently located on the promenade.